0: what's up what's up what's up you're listening to another episode of our journey of love podcast it's your girl ashley and i'm here with the husband what up
1: babe what up though
0: listen love's a trip we went from being best friends to being husband and wife and let me tell you (laughs) it's been a journey
1: Tune in as we discuss our fun, inspiring, and at times
0: challenging conversations.
1: Whether you're single, dating, engaged, or married, this podcast is for you.
0: It's definitely for you, so let's take a ride on this journey. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Ashley. We're here with another episode of our Journey of Love podcast. I'm here with the husband. What up, babe? What up, dope? How you doing? I'm good. You look blessed. You look good.
1: Thank you. Blessed and highly favored.
0: Mm, yes, come on now. Yeah. That's great. what I was going to say. You slept well? You should have.
1: Yep. Ate good.
0: You should have. I was a chef. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Appreciate that. I do what I can. Part mm-hmm. of my wifely duties. Mm-hmm. When I feel like it. <laughs> you get good meals there, blue moon, you know, whenever I get urged to cook. Right. Mm hmm.
1: <laughs> Appreciate that. You know, one of those mini gems that you have.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm a chef for real. You know, I'm a singer, artist, a chef.
1: Yeah, at home. You,
0: first of all, you tried it. Don't well, kill my dreams. I, Don't I kill my dreams. I didn't kill your dreams at Don't all. Don't kill my I dreams. At, at home. Don't kill my dreams. You all of that. I told you I'm coming out with an EP I'm not playing. Yeah. You at know? home. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Listen, babe, we got a special guest in the house. Yeah. Yes, Miss Saida Guest. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you today?
2: I'm doing wonderful. Thank you guys so much for having me.
0: Of course, of course. Now, we got to tell the people who you are, what you do, what you're about. Go ahead. Take the floor.
2: Perfect. So. (laughs) Um, My name is Saida Guest, formerly Saida Garrett, so a lot of people know me by my maiden name. But I'm the owner and CEO of Young and Financially Lit, and we are a financial education firm that specializes in being able to perpetuate and continue financial stability throughout communities across America. And so long story short, what that means is that we educate individuals, families, and business owners on how money works. It's something that most of us have not been taught throughout, Mm. you know, our life or our journey. And most of us are winging it. We are doing it by trial and error, and you know that's just not the way to go. And so for me, that's one of our passions, and also being able to actually help those individuals, families, and business owner implement financial strategies as well as business strategies, so that they can be what we call not used to bees. Mm. So I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of used to bees before?
1: That used to be broke.
2: That's a good use to be. Yeah. That's a good use to be. Like <laughs> most, of, most of the used to be's we have are those people that you know in your life that tell the stories about the good oldies mm. back at used to be, right? And you may have seen that in your family or a business owner where maybe you had the aunt, the uncle, or so forth that when you were younger, they had it all. And as you got older, things changed, right? Or you see how you own a business, right? And as they got older, things changed. And so we call it those used to be's. And so mm-hmm. our goal is to help people in communities, especially when it comes. To generational wealth, you know, less than the number of used to be stories we have, so that we can continue that great economic and financial stride.
0: I that's love that. used to be. I don't want to be used to be. It used to be. I don't want. To, I don't want to do that. I don't want to fall in that category. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's it's great that you're out here, you know, trying to teach everybody how to spend their money, save their money, and yeah, financial wealth and yeah, that's true. Trying to I get don't, that bag,
0: yeah, because I don't now think I that. Get, that it this not taught you're right it's, it's not taught it's something it's that not. we we are winging um i know for me personally just mistakes have been made and it's just learn from one space like okay well not gonna do that again let's try a different strategy let's try this you know so i think this is just very important for people in general but especially within our community i think it's essential mm-hmm. that we do that
2: because yeah. i mean we,
1: oh, i'm sorry go ahead
2: now I was saying, I always tell people that I always got the four basic lessons when it comes to money. The first one was you got to work hard for it. Mm-hmm. The second one is you got to pay your tithes. Yes. Especially if in my household. Okay. Yes. You gotta give- yes. 10%. Um, the third one is you got to save it. And the fourth one is you got to pay your bills on time. Yeah. And then that, and when you look at why most people say things like we hate adulting, right? That's a thing. Or why do we got to adult today? It's because nobody prepared us beyond that right so What right. really meant and that was my awakening point i'm just like holy crap i'm out here making money but besides those four lessons i don't really know what else to do next right. so how do right
0: that's awesome that's that's really awesome what you're doing so i know we wanted to talk about money money is such a, a big a big topic but it's specifically money as it relates to relationships um we hear that you know one of the reasons for high divorce rates is money that's what it boils down to so we wanted you to give us some little tidbits and some wisdom as it pertains to relationships and money so with that being said um how does money or the lack thereof affect romantic relationships
2: Oh, that's a good question. Straight out the gate. You know? <laughs> so I always say, you know, um, there ain't no honey if there isn't any money. Mm. Okay. And Come that's just now. the truth of the matter because money consumes our mental. Mm-hmm. Think about how much you know you think about money. Most people, when they wake up, they're thinking about how they're gonna make more money. How they're going to keep the money they have, how they're going to spend money, or what that you know—that is what our minds are concerned about on a day-to-day basis. Whether it's we got to go to work to make this money, you know, or we got to you know do whatever the case may be, or not have enough of it. So when your mindset is consumed by the problems that you have, and you don't know how to address those problems that leaves less room to really think about the romantic part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to think about babe how good you look, what you going to eat last night if I can't figure out how to pay my bills or if I'm doing something that maybe I don't necessarily love. It takes up more space than necessary mm-hmm. that I could be given to my significant other. You know, Biggie said more money more problems. Correct. No, that's you know, he said, "Correct." I like that one. I like to say, "More money, more solutions." You know, in the mm-hmm. sense of when you have money, you're able to fix problems or have, you know, less problems that money typically allows you to handle. Mm-hmm. And so, it's not a big deal. For example, um, most Americans are one paycheck away from financial devastation, mm-hmm. meaning that if you don't get paid on this Friday or whatever you're supposed to get paid, you're strapped for cash. And we've seen that happen, especially during last year, during the pandemic, right? Not only were people in a financial jam, but we saw businesses
1: right. in
2: a financial jam. And so if I don't have money, or I'm thinking about we don't have a good emergency fund, or if we got a you know flat tire, how are we going to pay for it? What account is it going to come out of? That's going to cause friction in my relationship because, We should be celebrating and enjoying each other and spending quality time, not spending time talking about money problems or the lack of money problems. Mm -hmm. And so it can have a huge impact, the lack of. And when you actually have money, a consistent cash flow, you know what you're doing, you have a plan, it creates some sense of security and a peace of mind Mm -hmm. that frees up that mental space that we can talk about. Let's go pick flowers today. Or let's go to a sports game. Or let's go do the things that we truly want to do without having that thought in the back of the mind that says, how much is this going to cost? Right. Mm-hmm. Where going to come from? Which credit card we want to put it on? Right. You know, you can do more things freely and actually get to enjoy your spouse and not attach a price tag to them.
0: Mm, I like that. Mm-hmm. Not, not attach a price tag. Yes. Come on, price tag. <laughs> 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 right. So, with that being said, do you think that married couples should combine finances? Should they leave them separately? Should they do a combination of both? What sh- What are your feelings in regards to that?
2: Yeah. So it really depends on the couple. Okay. It really depends on the couple. So I recommend that one, you have the financial conversation together. That is something that every couple needs to do is you need to talk about your finances together and you need to get on the same page as far as what you are intending to do or trying to do. You know, as you all know, marriage is about building something with someone else for the rest of your life. So the first thing I always tell couples is you got to set goals, not just, you know, individual goals, but also your financial goals. Where do you see yourself? And once you can agree to whatever financial goals you all have planned, you're trying to accomplish, whether it's buying a home, having children, what type of school or education you want for them, uh, retirement, things like that, then you can decide how to go about and what makes the most sense for you as a couple, whether you're managing those finances together, separately, or so forth. Mm -hmm. So having a conversation should always be a joint thing. That's where we see a lot of breakdown that happens is because couples are not talking deeply Mm -hmm. about money and they talk very surface level about it. And once you can have that deep conversation, then it really depends on you, right? I've seen it work a lot of ways for many different couples. Some couples do everything together in one pot Mm -hmm. and that works for them. Some couples have joint accounts and then they each own have their own separate accounts. And maybe from the joint account, they'll pay their bills. And from the separate account, they will pay, you know, do whatever they want to do. So they may set an amount that, you know, every paycheck we put in 50% into the joint account. And then we can do whatever we want. I've seen a couple do allowances. You know, that's always an interesting one. (laughs) Always an interesting one for me. We had an event uh, a few weeks ago called Love and Money. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the the attendees, he said, you know, I give my wife an allowance for $500 a month. I said, mm, she's a very
0: good wife. Yeah, uh-huh.
2: but um, that's you know, kind of that's kind
1: of old school, right?
2: It, it's you know it it can be antiquated.
0: It,
2: it can be a little bit old school. That's why you know the, you know the husband would typically go out and and get the bacon, right. and the wife will cook it up, right? So some people that works for them, mm-hmm. but in the time that we're in, where you have the wife being just as much as a an income earner in the household. Right husband being an income earner in the household, um, you know, things are a little bit different. So you have to find a balance that is for you. But what we do find is that the goals have to be aligned. Hmm. And so whenever I sit down and do a consultation with um, someone who's married, the spouse has to be present. I do not talk to married couples without the spouse being present because the goals are never on the same page. You know, the wife is sometimes typically more concerned about the children, the parents, the parents-in-law, how everybody's going to work together. Mm-hmm. And the husband, on the other side, is more so concerned about me and my honey. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about the kids better get it together sooner or later. Right. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's a process. I'm just thinking about that. And so, you know, one couple, one spouse may say they want to move somewhere warm. And the other spouse says I really like it where we are. And so we got to get them on the same page as far as where they're trying to go. Because that's where the divide happens. And once we get them on the same page of where they're trying to go, we allow their personality and what works best for them, tailor a plan that fits how they interact with each other. Mm
0: So, what have you seen um, throughout your interactions with different couples? Because I've always hear there's always like a plan, uh, a spender and a saver. Have you noticed that within your interactions that is always that type of combination, or is that the?
2: Yes. Um. So I always say it's it's typically um, we hear a spender and saver, but a lot of times it comes down to power mm-hmm. and control. Who feels they are in control versus who feels they are out of control and so a, one of the biggest complaints we get is that another partner is sabotaging the goals that i have set mm. for example mm. we're trying to pay for a down payment for a house but he just won't stop buying sneakers right
0: <laughs> <laughs> why do you be like that
2: <laughs> that was a thing right there. I but, was stretching you, my neck. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: These things are said. I have fun with my couples, right? But so so why why that happens is maybe the person who's buying sneakers, they typically feel less in control. And so spending is a way that they are allowed to rebel. Mm.
0: Interesting.
2: This is my money. I never really agreed to wanting to buy a house anyway, especially not where you said you wanted to buy a house at. So this is my way of doing what I want to do and finding a sort of way to rebel. Mm -hmm. Um, Versus when the goals are aligned and there's no power struggle, I don't mind working together with you. But whenever I feel as though there's an imbalance in control or the goals aren't aligned, that's typically where we see couples doing opposite things. You know, one is saving and one is spending. So it's a little bit deeper than, you know, a saver versus a spender. The other thing to taking note to that is you got to know the person you marry, And you got to get into those deeper conversations because how we are socialized with money plays a very important part to the habits that we have with money. So what I mean by that, in your household, maybe nobody ever saved. And everything that came in, you spent. Mm-hmm. So those are the habits that you have. And maybe in another household, your parents were very frugal. They were very tight. And so you try to keep as much as possible. And then when we come together, my way is the right way and your way is the, the right <laughs> way. Like, How do we bring these two together? but that comes from how we were socialized with money. Mm. And so we do a class called emotional money because Mm. you got to understand money is very emotional. How do we know that? Everybody knows what to do. Everybody knows you have to save money. Everybody knows that you got to invest. We know this stuff, but why don't we do it? It's how we feel about the money. It's how we think about the money. It's how we see the money should benefit us. That's the emotional part. So you really gotta understand and get over some of those emotional barriers from how we were socialized with money to truly have a healthy relationship with that as you move forward.
0: Mm. I hope that- Girl, you dropping some knots. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. I'm loving this. Let me write that down. I'll take that course.
2: Yeah, it's true.
0: <laughs> See, he know, it's
2: funny I don't know why she most- gave
1: me these looks over here. <laughs>
2: Most of my client sessions happen just like this for couples. So
0: we have a, it's literally just like it's literally just like <laughs> this. Why are you looking at me like that for? Why she doing... yeah, I'm over here she just I'm stretching my neck. It's
2: getting real hot over there, you know?
0: It's getting real hot.
1: But we'll poker neck next time Can she stretched. Stretch? <laughs> yeah, you stretch the other way. Stretch the other
0: way. Oh my goodness. So that that was really good I, yeah that was some good information so with that being said do you feel like couples should take on the debt of their their spouse should that be a team effort or is that one of those things that is kind of different per couple depending on whatever their goals are
2: yeah so that's a um an interesting question when you say that um because a lot of times that's the biggest fear we have especially as a married couple right or even in dating I find a lot of, you know, my singles are like, I don't want to date somebody who has debt. You know, I don't want to date somebody who because like that, that's a fear that they have to take that person's debt on, right? Mm-hmm. They have to assume their debt. And the truth of the matter is once you are married, it's yours anyway. Yep. It's yours anyway. So you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice because if your spouse passes away, the debt does not go away. Okay, it's assumed by their next of kin, which, you know, you as a spouse would be the closest next of kin. Right. And if you're not married, you know, for those who are listening, maybe not married, well, then it passes on to your children, your parents, your aunties, your uncles, your cousins until they find somebody. The same way they would pass your inheritance on, you know, money you leave behind until it finds somebody. Your debt goes the same way, you know, except for federal student loans. Those ones leave when you go. (laughs) But Sally Mae. Them,
1: them privates don't go anywhere?
2: Privates, privates don't go anywhere. But federal student loans, when you go, they go. But private student loans, they're here to stay. Okay? Mm-hmm. Nothing you can do about her. But, you know, you got to work that thing out. But um, so you automatically assume that person's debt. Now, your strategy on how you tackle it, that can be a little bit different. So the first thing that I always recommend clients do is that they have the proper life insurance. Mm-hmm. Which is your guarantee that if, hey, if something happens to you, because, you know, let me ask you this question. How long do you all plan on staying together?
0: Forever. My goal is forever. Okay. Forever. I was going to yeah. verify with him. You I, know I know said if he it before I didn't know you if he did. Had you, time was, you had to something. go whole sentence. My goal
1: <laughs> I just forever.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> had to think one. about it. You know. <laughs> I should just look at her. Stretch your neck on
1: the
2: story. So most, most married couples, the goal is to stay with that person for forever. So you plan on spending money together forever. You plan on achieving financial goals together forever. Like it's a forever thing. So having the right life insurance says that if for whatever reason out of our control, whether somebody gets terminally ill, sick, or they pass away too soon, and we don't reach forever, you don't leave me with your burden,
1: hmm.
2: right? And that's what it should cover. So it should cover your debts. It should replace your income that we've built this life off of two incomes for people in that situation. Right. It should pay off the house, right? So I don't have to pay this mortgage because maybe we split it or whatever the case may be, or your pension was paying for something you know, something of that nature. Um, but it still covers our kids and the education and the life that we want them to have so that's the first thing is you have to ensure that your forever happens regardless right for things that are whether you know out of your control you still want to make sure you do that so that's the first thing I tell couples you got to make sure that you both get insurance on each other especially if you have debt because you don't want to stick that with the other person okay and even if it's not you know credit card debt You know a car note you can't you can't take the car back to the lot and say you know he's not here anymore she's not here anymore take it back right no this is for another two years or three years or whatever it's for somebody has to pay you can't just take the house and say you know take it back Mm -hmm. you know you have to sell it or so forth so that's the first thing and then as far as setting goals that's why it's important that couples do that because if you do have debt you want to get out of it that is like the new slavery it's very hard, you know, it's a slippery slope. Once you get in, it's very hard to get out of. Mm. And so you wanna put that on your goals. If it's something that's important to both of you that you 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 manage that and that you find a way and have a plan to actually get out of that. And if that's your truly your forever partner, you don't wanna see them in bondage. That's right. You know, you wanna help them get free right. because I wanna travel. I wanna live a good life yes. and I don't want, you know, it's like going out to eat with your friends. You know how you got those friends you got to eat and then you go out and then, that you know, you got your one group of friends everybody split the bill, no big problem. But then you got your other friends you go out and somebody like, I only had the water. Right.
0: And that's all I'm paying for. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even eat that. I had one chip out the whole thing. <laughs> you
2: know,
1: like, I had the
0: appetizer, bro.
2: <laughs> you know, so it's just like, yeah, I want it to be your spouse. Right. While you're thinking about doing certain things and they are mentally boggled down with debt, you don't want that to be your relationship, you know, because you want to experience life together. You signed up to do this together. And so part of that is yes. Now does it mean I gotta take my money and pay down your debt? Maybe if y'all if that's what y'all decide to do. But does it mean I can help you? I can make sure we stay on goal. I'm not doing things that infringe your goal. For example, if your goal is to pay an extra thousand dollars to your debt every month. I'm not coming in with like this, a lavish, you know, random trip out of nowhere. Hey, babe, let's go here. And because I know my partner and depending on his love language or my love language that he might be trying to serve me with, he may do it anyway Mm -hmm. in spite of or in sacrifice of his goals. Mm -hmm. So it makes you a good partner to know their goals, to help keep them in line and keep them on track and that you're not doing anything to quote unquote sabotage. What it is they're trying to do, but you're being that supportive spouse. Mm.
0: That's a good answer. This is good. I told you this is just gonna be. A good one. <laughs> <laughs> this is
1: just gonna be a good. One. Um, I I thought you made a great point about the life insurance because I I don't think a lot of people even look at it that way. They don't. I that's think why they we just. I like
0: think,
1: yeah, a lot of GoFundMe's, and I think that's why the people have. The whole ordeal of I don't want to go in with somebody that has debt. Yeah, you know they don't think about that They're about you know trying to absorb the debt and try to help each other off often. The helpmate thing and the life insurance that's a big part of it, and they just don't even they don't even think about that. That's, but you make great points with that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's so important because you know I I had you know, family members very close to me and I always use them as a, you know, a wonderful example in love, you know, retired, um, live in a gorgeous estate and one of them passed away unexpectedly Mm -hmm. within 10 months. And the other one, you know, while they're trying to grieve the spouse that passed away, they were left holding a lot of bills. You know, they had a million dollar home that still had a mortgage on it. You know, they had luxury vehicles that still had Cardinals on it. And they, you know, they were bleeding roughly around 2000 a month out of their savings mm. just to cover what was left behind. And whenever, I, you know, when I asked the question, well, what happened? Why didn't you have the proper life insurance in place for that? The answer was nobody ever talked to us about it. Mm-hmm. We never learned it that way. And that's why the financial literacy is so important. Yes, I would
1: just think about that.
2: Those are the things that... Nobody teaches us, and so when you look at generational wealth and talking about the used to be's, right, and having that story, nobody plans to be a used to be. Right. But if you don't know, if if you don't know the rules to money, you can never expect to win the money game. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And that's the most important part. And so when you look at a lot of communities, especially the African American community. We're not taught about the perpetuation of wealth. Right. So it starts, again, every generation. Every generation has to work hard to get up to the same point. Right. Versus, you know, 400 years of hard work that our ancestors have put in. We should be kings and queens. Right. We work hard, but we're not taught how to build. Mm. And And so that's a big part of it. And that's a simple part. You know, to your point, like life is very, life, it's very simple, but we're never taught how to truly use it. It's mm. either you know, put me in a pine box and put me in the
0: church, cremate me. That's <laughs> it. Thank so I got,
1: I got a question. So sure. what do you, what do you, um, so what is the difference between the ones, I guess the average Joes. I'm gonna say the average Joes, the ones who do the nine to five, married couple you know, or, and the wealth ones, the ones who young, who didn't, I guess, become rappers and then they just get the instant money or the, 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 the pro athlete who just got drafted next to, you know, he got $50 million and all yeah. of a sudden, what, what differences do you come into that? Yeah.
2: So, um, there's really no big difference. Mm-hmm. People think there's a difference, but there's not. Mm-hmm. My, more wealthy affluent clients especially those who come into money very fast Mm -hmm. um, it's not about how much money you make Mm -hmm. you see we think it's about that it's not about how much money you make it's simply about how much money you learn to keep so that's why athletes go broke in two years Mm
0: -hmm.
2: after they get out of the whatever league they're in Right. Or, you know, lottery winners. It takes them about five years to deplete their assets. It's about the habits and what you do with the money. And it's why grandma, who has been the matriarch of the family, whenever we haven't seen grandma work in years. But whenever somebody needs something, she always got something got somewhere in mattress. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the mattress. The Girl got an envelope in her room.
1: She come out of her, yeah, she, at her shirt. Yeah. <laughs> like, go get go.
0: that envelope. <laughs> Here you go. I got
2: you. It's always something somewhere. So that tells us it's not about how much you make, but it is about how much you keep. Mm-hmm. It's about your habits. And so, if you make a million dollars, but you spend a million and one, versus if you make forty thousand and you only spend twenty thousand, the person that spends who makes the 40,000 is in a better position mm-hmm. than a person who makes the millions.
1: Right.
2: And so when we see, you know, different celebrities or whoever complain about not having money, most of them are very judgmental. Mm-hmm. Like, man, if I had that money, I don't see how they went broke, how they did this. Da, 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 da. It's not about the money. Mm-hmm. It's about what you do with the money.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What you know to do with the money. Cause think about it, if I'm 18 years old and I got the same lessons that we all receive growing up financially and you give me a million dollars, what am I going to go do with that money?
1: Spin it. Blow it. Spin it.
2: <laughs> Don't let me come from an a, a impoverished background. Oh, I'm blowing money fast. Man. Everything they said I could not have. I'm coming to get. Mm-hmm. That's what we think. That's our socialization with money. A lot of times people um, socialize wealth with things that they have, the material aspects. Mm -hmm. That's really debt that we're assuming. You know, so those individuals, there's no true difference in that fashion. Now, what we do find is that people who make at least a quarter of a million dollars or more in this country... They have the financial advisors in the large companies, your Merrill Lynch, your Charles Schwab, your JP Morgan, that solely provide financial literacy and education to those individuals. Mm-hmm. Right. So, if I were to go to, and this is not a knock on any company, so if I were to go to any of the big financial companies that you hear and say, Hey, you know, I want you to teach me about money, before I even can set an appointment with a real person, they want to know how much money do you have? Wow, and if you don't have at least a quarter of a million, this is even at your local bank. At your local, a lot of local banks have yeah. taken away the personal aspect of teaching people about money um, based on how much they make, mm. because the finance industry is a commission based industry, mm-hmm. right? It's the largest industry in the world. They're here to make money. Let's be let's be very clear. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a certain amount of money for me to manage or invest, I'm not teaching you about money. So what we see is that those wealthier individuals, they get access to people, teach them about money. Think about it. When's the last time somebody knocked on your door and said, let me teach you about money? No, never. Mm-hmm. But if you had three million dollars, how many people would be calling you trying to teach you about money? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That's true. So that's only five percent of the country who makes over a quarter million dollars. The other ninety five percent makes less than that. So there's no resources. There's nobody fighting over them. There's nobody trying to educate them. And that's why you see so much hunger right now for financial literacy. When you turn on the TV and social media and you see so many um, different celebrities getting involved in, you know, whether it's investing or stocks or so forth, because the information is not it's there, but it's not given to the people who still have the same goals, dreams and ambitions right. as those who have the millions of dollars right? They just don't, you know, have necessarily the finances right now. doesn't mean that you can't get there, but if you have the education, that's a big proponent of it. And that's why I love what I do is because it's now taking Wall Street concepts and making them accessible to the everyday individual, as you call them, the average Joe, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> right. Most of America. You know, that's most of America and allowing them an opportunity to learn. And I'm a firm believer that if you know better, you will do better. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't, can't make, make them make drink. drink. There right. you go. Right. But you can't say you didn't know. Right. Right. You can't say you didn't know because you got opportunities out there to really
0: learn. Mm. That's good. So you mentioned something um, briefly about creating generational wealth. So besides, I know you mentioned financial literacy and making sure, you know, that we pass that down to generations. What other steps could people do to ensure generational wealth within their within their family
2: um that's a good question so you know you, you kind of said the first part the easiest way to create general generational wealth is through insurance through life insurance it's the easiest way because it's, it's the only money that passes down tax-free in this country hmm. and the only qualifications for it is that you got to be healthy and that you have to have enough in respect to your income so, for example, if you are young in your, you know, in your early 30s, you may can get 30 times your income. Hmm. And if you're healthy, it's going to be relatively inexpensive for you. That's almost a guaranteed way to leave an inheritance in the simplest way. Mm-hmm. Next steps from that is you want your children or the next generation to inherit assets. So whether that's going to be investments, that's going to be real estate, that's going to be a business, you want them to inherit things that put money in their pocket versus things that take money out of their pocket. Mm-hmm. So you don't want them to inherit a, inherit a mortgage, mm-hmm. okay? Baby, I'm going to leave you this house. Now if i got a mortgage on it, don't leave it to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: don't
2: give it to somebody else. Because that's a debt. Yeah. You know, but we think we're doing the right thing, but that's a debt. No, don't get at the me, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm going to leave you these fur coats. You know, are they the good ones? <laughs> ones appreciate and value, you know, right. so looking at your assets and being able to make sure that you're leaving or passing behind um, things that will put money in your pocket. So that's how you know it's the asset. Mm-hmm. Anything that puts money in your pocket is as an asset anything that takes money out of your pocket is a liability. Okay. It's a very simple way. So leaving those behind, having a will Mm -hmm. is very, very important, especially for those people who have children or Mm -hmm. plans to have children, because um, if you die or you pass away without a will, that's called dying in a state. And at that point, the state determines who gets your assets. So you have less control. Um, And then eventually you want to work your way up into having a trust. And a trust is where not only do you get to determine who gets your asset, but you get to set in place what they do with the asset. Mm. Okay. So, for example, you know, you may have a home that is paid off with no mortgage. And you may say, this home can never be sold. Right? You can't do that in a will. You can only do that in a trust. In a will, I can say, you know, little Johnny gets the house, but I can't tell little Johnny what to do with the house. Mm. Okay. And if little Johnny is not educated with the house, he's going to look at one of those little ugly signs and say, we buy houses for cash fast.
0: Yeah,
2: And he might get tripped up into giving away a million dollars worth of asset for $7,000 fast cash. Mm-hmm. Right, Not understanding, you know, the full property. So in your trust, you can say who gets it as well as what they can do with it, hmm. you know, which gives you a little bit more control, especially if you have young children um, or maybe a spouse or someone who's not as financially savvy or educated as you, that you can make sure that asset continues to provide income over the long term and give them some financial security that way. Nice. That answered your question. It
0: did. Yeah, you, did. you were giving okay. some, you <laughs> dropping some gems, girl, dropping some gems. Um, did you have any, any questions? Babe?
1: Yeah, I do have another question.
0: I felt it. That's why I asked you. I did. <laughs>
1: okay my next uh question is why do you think that with financial literacy we don't teach that in schools mainly Mm. high school or you can even start a little earlier than this i guess middle school and kind of educate because that's a that's a real life goal because you know, everything we was coming up, they was like, well, You're going to need this when you get in the real world. You're going to need this. And they don't teach that. They don't even teach it in, in college. Well, you know, I don't know what they're teaching them now. But when I was in there, they wouldn't teach it. They would just, use an accountant. All right.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That's it. But that, I mean, I think that's something that we as individuals, black, yellow, brown, everybody. You know they need to know that. Yeah, they need to know that so that that's a key thing of a life skill that you need. Instead of yeah. just trying to learn the hard way, or is it just a, a uh, I guess a money making thing where it's just you don't teach them, so everybody else, the big corporations and everything, they can still capitalize on
0: your ignorance. Yes.
2: Mm. You know, um, I can't speak for why people. Do what they do or don't do what they do. Mm -hmm. But currently, to date, financial literacy is only mandated to be taught in five states across the United States at the high school. Wow. And those legislators, you know, they fought for that. And um, if you look at the states, and I don't know, ask me to rattle them all offhand, but if you look at those states, you know, it's like Utah, West Virginia. Something weird. um, I was
1: thinking that. I was like, it's probably somewhere
2: weird (laughs) you know but utah actually that's where most financial companies are established out of Mm. um and that's done very strategically you know if you look at the population that is there and the amount of wealth that is there that it has to be a priority to your legislators Mm. it has to be a priority of something that we as um citizens demand for Mm And in, in addition to that, it goes back to the rules to money. See, if you don't understand how money works, you better believe these corporations do. do. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And if they do, the less you know, the more they're able to profit. Right. So I always use the example of banks, right? My dad, I got my first job at 14 and my dad said, always save your money, put your money in the bank. Put my money in the bank. That's what you're supposed to do. But once I learned what banks actually do with my money, why am I putting my money in the bank? Who <laughs> you put your money in the bank? Like, think about it. If you if you were to give your friend money, say, "Hey, hold my money," and they were taking your money and flipping it, making millions off your money, mm-hmm. and then giving you a two cents
0: mm-hmm. interest every change. month, yeah,
2: wouldn't you be highly upset?
1: And mm-hmm. then want to charge you just to hold the money. <laughs>
2: And make you go through a credit check. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You to borrow your own money. Mm -hmm. You look at your friend like, fool, it's my money. Right. But we're not taught to look at banks that way. Mm -hmm. We're just taught to put your money there. Right. Because where else do you put it?
0: Right. Mm
2: -hmm. You know, for a million dollars, they're like, we'll give you 1% if you have a million dollars. But they can charge up to 30% for loaning your money out to stabilize the economy.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And then when they mess up your money, how they did in 2008, they just go to the government and ask for a bailout.
0: Oh, some, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I mean? So if we knew better, nobody would do it. If you knew how your 401k actually operated, many people may do something different. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But we're just taught that these are things you should have. hmm we're not reading the 40 page packet that comes along with it. Who's actually getting paid? And that's how, you know, the finance industry, like I said, it is the largest industry in the world. It's a $63 trillion industry hmm. compared to other industries, like like real estate, it's only $4 trillion. You know, it's massive. So you gotta know the, the you gotta know the rules. Hmm. You, gotta know, you gotta know what you're doing. Otherwise, you know, you're gonna get burnt. And that's what happens to most people, unfortunately, but we are here to help change that and to really make a difference and provide the literacy so that you can start to make more educated, informed decisions, not just going off of what you know. But, yeah, but we got to start with us until, you know, it changes. Right, Mm -hmm.
0: right. Yeah, absolutely right. Saidi, you have been really dropping some gems. I just want to let you know, all of this is very, very good information that everybody needs to hear. Exactly. Um, it's been very, very helpful. Do you have any anything else? No, I don't. Okay, I didn't feel that you did. It's just ch- double checking. Ooh, I. Can... <laughs> <laughs> I could. Can... <laughs> we can talk about this later. Right. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I could go deeper, but.
1: It'd be, be a longer <laughs> podcast right here. She might have some other stuff to do. Oh,
0: whatever.
2: You know, people, people might not have believed him when he said. It.
1: That's
0: right. I told y'all.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I I'll give you this. Um, I know we was we was doing the uh we were talking mainly about marriages and everything, but I I want to touch on um people who are single. I know you deal with that. You do deal with that, right? Single yeah. and, and there is you know I Trying to tell my wife that in whoever um, that men think differently when it comes to their money, especially when they're getting into a relationship or trying to get in a relationship or even marriage. And I try to put it out there that if their pocket ain't right, they ain't trying to be right with you. And, and that's not even throwing shade. It's just they're there. If they don't feel like they're st- established or even just stable, period, then yeah. everything else is not going
2: to work. Yeah. You know, um, I think men think differently, period. Of course. <laughs> Amen. There's, you, you know, in a lot of different ways. Um, a lot of that, again, has to do with the socialization. Right. Right. And so if, you know, a, ma- a male is raising a household where the man pays all the bills. The man is, you know, the supporting, the rock, the foundation. He provides for his family. You're absolutely right. That is that is their mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, I say, hey, you either catch them right out of college or you wait until they about thirty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I figure it out. <laughs> I figure it out if they come from that type of cloth.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You are, and I'm not speaking for all men. Trust me. So I don't want nobody sending me no hate mail. Like, <laughs> right. You know, nah, they like, gonna speak
1: no, they ain't gonna send you no hate mail. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's really what true I,
2: though. What I see, right? You either catch them at the beginning or you gotta wait until they figure that thing out. Right. Um, and, you know, it's a good thing. It's because they really wanna get their together. And so for those people who are single, that's the best time. What? Single? and no major responsibilities, you know, no children, nobody depending on you, Mm -hmm. that is the best time to be saving and investing your money. Mm -hmm. I like to call it a blessing because you have what most people would aren't envious of. You don't got nobody depending on you. Mm -hmm. And so we hear this thing called a midlife crisis, right? People typically hit a midlife crisis because they weren't prepared for that part of life and the midlife crisis is when everything comes together at once. Okay. I'm now married. I got kids. I got, you know, either daycare or tuition a car, no all this stuff. I'm not where I want to be in my career. I'm trying to get promoted and do these, you know, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. That is stress. Midlife crisis is stress. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a position where you are single and you don't have anyone on you, you can prepare yourself so much more. Better so that when that time comes, you can say, Oh, I saw you coming a mile away. Mm -hmm. I already got it, I already have an emergency fund.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I already got money set aside for investment. I already took the time to double down when I was younger, you know, to um, invest heavily maybe in my retirement and my job. So that when life happens, which it does, Mm -hmm. it, it will, you are more prepared for it. So there's less stress. I'm not as worried about it. Now, if you're single and you're blowing money fast, you're gonna look back as many people do. Mm -hmm. You know how much money I had back in my 20s? Man, if I only knew what I know now, I would have done so many things differently. Mm -hmm. You don't gotta wait to that. We've seen our parents and aunts and uncles and generations before us say the same thing. So this is our opportunity to say that's not going to be me stack your bread now secure the bag now mm-hmm. so that when you do come together with someone else and that time is right we're not worried about debt we're not worried about how we going to you know eat we're not worried about do we have an emergency fund i don't have a problem coming together financially because my finances are right and your finances are right we took the time while we were single to do that. I'm not worried about, you know, um, how many children I want to have because how can I afford them?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, that's the biggest thing I get. Oh,
0: Because children are expensive. are expensive. Come on now. Trust me. Between they formula don't. and diapers, that's just out the moon. We ain't got the sports and all this other stuff, school fees and, oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so in your mind, that may be the life you want to provide for your family. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you didn't financially prepare for that, instead of it being the joy and the blessing that you expect, it can turn into a burden. Mm -hmm. So you want to use that time to get right. And if the person that you are dating or seeing is trying to get it together and get it right, let them get it right. You should spend the same amount of time and energy getting your stuff together because we all got work to do.
0: Right. That's very true. And i'm glad I'm glad we're talking about this, because this actually leads us into our A and p topic of the week, okay? okay. So our A and p topic, this is the question. Now, well, first of all, before I answer the question, let me put this scenario out here because I know Fillmore and I saw um it was a while ago something on Instagram where this guy said, um, he took a girl out on a date. He had a budget. Mm, um, yeah, he had the that. budget, and the young lady was upset. That he budgeted for their date, um, and essentially called him. The budget was. I don't think she, she knew didn't what the, know what the amount was, the but he was. he revealed to her that he has a budget for this date. Um, she took that as him being cheap and all this type of things. And I was like, that's interesting. So that scenario led me to the AMP topic this week was: should money, or a lack thereof, be a deciding factor in whether you pursue a relationship with someone? What do you think?
2: So I think money is definitely a factor in whether or not you pursue a relationship with someone. Should it be the deciding factor, the end all be all? Absolutely not. And that's simply because people can grow. Right. People have opportunities to change. And it's like saying, you know, if you get together with somebody and they don't have strong biceps. That's just a muscle that they may have never worked out before, mm-hmm. but they can learn how to work that muscle and get better at it. Mm-hmm. So same thing, you know, most people we talked about don't understand money. So you got to give them the opportunity to learn it. At the same time, you can't be blind to habits that are in place. And this is why, you know, having these conversations are very important. You know, this is deeper than I like you, you like me, That's we're right. at- Family. That's right. This is what do you think about investing?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What's your risk tolerance? Are you conservative where you keep everything real, you know, hold it real tight? You don't want to lose anything, mm-hmm. but you also don't make anything? Mm-hmm. Or are you the gambler? Throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the mental conversations that you want to have with somebody, especially in the early stages, to see, you know, what their habits are. Versus what are some things they just have not learned yet? You know, when my husband and I first dated, neither one of us knew anything about money. Okay? Neither one of us. Mm -hmm. He came from a middle-class family. I came from, you know, a family that needed help. Mm -hmm. Jesus help us.
1: Jesus help us. my,
2: (laughs) My idea of what you should do with money was very different than his idea of what you do with money. Mm -hmm. You know, I was always talking and thinking about money because it was always a big deal in my life. Mm -hmm. It was just like, you know, he he drove a Mercedes in college and I was asking him for a ride. (laughs) (laughs) So it was different. Mm -hmm. Um, But we both had more to learn because what we learned up until that point was not what we needed to learn to take us the long haul. Mm -hmm. And so you got to give people that grace. You got to extend that grace because you're going to need that grace extended to you. I know you think you got it all together, but baby, it's some things you just have not learned yet. Mm -hmm. That's all what it's about being in a relationship and being married. And so should it be a factor? Absolutely. Should it be the end all be all? I don't
0: think so. Good answer. Good answer. I like that. Well, Fillmore and I, as you all know, we'll reveal our, our answer a little later. Give us, a, we'll give y'all a little feedback of what we think. Why are you looking like that? Can you smile? <laughs> just smile. Just smile. Just smile.
1: <laughs> now you gave it away. The people didn't know I was smile. I would just look at the camera.
0: Well, Saida, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, again, tell everyone Um, your social media platforms and where they can find you and how they can set up um, any type of session with you give them all their information again
2: yeah so you can follow me on social media most platforms i'm under saida garrett i'm on instagram underscore saida garrett that's s-i-e-d-a-h it's phonetic um, that was my campaign slogan in college, um, <laughs>
0: underscore
2: Saida Garrett, uh, Facebook Saida Garrett. You can also visit us online at www.y, the letter Y, and the word and, dot com. That's where you can book um, a consultation with me, a quick discovery call so we can figure out what's going on and how my team and my firm and I can be of service of any that what you may have going on. So again, um, underscore Saida Garrett on Instagram. You can also follow us at Young and Financially Lit on Instagram, and you can visit us on the website. um, So book a consultation or discovery call. It's 15 minutes complimentary, um, YNFL.com.
0: Nice. Beautiful. All right, guys, y'all heard it here first. Miss Saida, thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to follow her on all of her social media platforms, um, book those consultations, y'all. Listen, this is something that we need to be aware of. Finan- fi- financial, what is that? Financial <laughs> literacy. You spit it out, right? Right. <laughs> it's something that Stretch everyone. My neck. <laughs> Shut up. It's something that everybody needs to happen. You know, we definitely want to create a line of generational wealth. You know, so we don't want to be part of the used to bees okay that's yeah. one thing I, i've learned today i don't want to be a part of the used to be hello hashtag used to be <laughs> <used to> <laughs> well y'all thank you so much for joining us for another episode of our journey of love be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms we got instagram facebook uh youtube we are on look, everything yeah we on everything y'all just follow us y'all know how Just follow us, y'all know. (laughs) And as I always like to say, listen, love is patient, love is kind. Be sure to join us here next time.